Welcome to The Loop Podcast, the podcast that deep dives what works today when it comes to marketing to the modern buyer. Today's episode is a special one because we want to share some of the behind the scenes moments of planning and executing um, all of the marketing activities surrounding the launch of my diary of a first time CMO and give an insight into the unexpected results that we got from it. Um, I'm your host today, Alice, CMO at Cognizant, and I'm very excited to be joined by Jamie Skills, who is the demand gen manager who was the brains behind the whole campaign. Um, And we're going to deep dive uh, how it all came about, um, Jamie's plans for the campaign, what worked, what didn't, how he would do things differently, the results that we saw. And hopefully it's like a really hands-on example of how to plan a campaign like this. Um, So I guess, yeah, kicking us off, it would be, it probably makes sense to give a bit of background into like, how did we decide to come up with um, the CMO diary? Like, why were we doing it, etc. And I'll probably just give you a bit of context first before bringing on Jamie on this one, because it was one of my classic mad ideas that I sent to the team and said, let's do this. Um, And it all came about because I post very regularly on LinkedIn. And I had a comment on one of my posts, which was, um, it just said something like, oh, you should turn all of your LinkedIn posts into a book and I would read it. And I was thinking about it and I was like, there's something in this idea in that just because of the way that LinkedIn works, it's actually really difficult to kind of chronologically search through people's LinkedIn posts and like kind of piece them together into a story. Um, And I thought, well, actually, like the way that I've kind of been talking through the cognizant um, changes in marketing and my insights has very much been like my journey for the last four years. Um, and I've been building in public and it might there might be some value in this. So I think it was a good example of like taking something from a tiny idea and actually just like getting making it happen and executing on it. And the only kind of validation we did was I put out one other LinkedIn post just sort of asking would people be interested in this? Is this something you would read? And like, in what formats would you want it? And it got like a crazy reaction. And so that was a good example of like, get an MVP, but you don't necessarily need to like, invest tons of resources early on just to decide if something's worth investing in. That was enough for me to be like, okay, early signals are good. This is worth us like taking forward and building on. Um, And also the other thing I think is also really important is that we talk about this media machine that we're trying to build at Cognizant and like a a book is like a, actually a really good example of taking that to like the next level. There aren't many B2B companies who do publish a book. So I really liked how that kind of fitted into the whole media machine element as well. Um, don't know, Jamie, if you've got anything else to add to that? No, 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 that all sounds good to me. Um, yeah, I suppose just some from my side, like I remember being made aware of sort of the diary being written. Um, I think it was like, I want to say July. Um, and then from there, like the writing process took a long time, but it was only really in December um, that we got like first eyes on it. And we saw like how, like sort of um, how in depth it was um, and sort of like how like chunking asset we actually had to work with. Um, and yeah, that was from there. We sort of started planning the launch of it. Yeah. And I think that again, a lot of credit has to go to Amy Collins, who um, was the writer behind the whole diary. And I kind of, again, gave her like quite a, quite a, brief brief I guess in terms of we're going to take my LinkedIn posts and make them into a diary and she sort of took that created structure around it and then just made the interviews happen she was interviewing me every week um, without fail and we were getting through like five or six posts a week and sometimes I would just go off and write some stuff on my own and then she would come back and edit it and actually make it all make sense so 
again, it was just like a great example of like making it happen. Um, and that's the biggest thing I would, I would say to anyone with all of these things is like an idea is, is only as good as its execution ultimately. So that could have just sat in the backlog forever being like, this is a huge lift. How do we ever even start it? Um, but it's really paid off for us. So it was worth doing. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, what did we hope to achieve, Jamie, from the campaign and what metrics did you have in mind when you were building the campaign plan and thinking about like how we would launch it? Yeah. Um, so I suppose like from the inception, like we had conversations about like what we wanted to achieve and like what the, the book was. Um, and like in my mind, it was always an awareness campaign um, at its core. Um but in terms of like how we delivered the book, that was kind of like the, the question, like what in more formats, like in what sort of ways do we like bring it to the audience? Um, and we actually, well, you did, you actually asked the audience um, pretty much like how you want to consume this. Um, and that ended up being answers of pretty much everything in audio, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> in every format. Um, but basically the way we approached it, like we, we knew we wanted it to, to spread awareness of both Cognizant's brand and Alice's as well. Um, at the beginning like we never planned to like sell the book on mass it was always sort of like conceptualized at the beginning stages um it was going to be like a limited limited like physical book release um maybe followed up by like similar limited physical book releases based on the demand that we saw for the physical book um but i suppose like in terms of like the two big goals in my mind at that beginning stage like we basically wanted every physical book that was going to be released um, to be ordered and to be taken up um, and then essentially to take that um, that demand from the physical book and the launch of that physical book and leverage that into um, like eyeballs and um, visits to our online resources so there's like a free online version of the book so anyone can access all the content for free ungated it's all there um, and also like we have an audiobook as well um, and I suppose that was kind of like the guiding sort of metrics for me at the beginning. Um, it's a lot more to it in terms of engagement and reach and stuff like that. But in terms of like what we wanted to achieve, every single book that we released for free at that point um, was to be ordered. And then also to leverage that into making the website resource probably the most visited resource we have on the Cognitive website for the marketing persona um, and equally for the audio book as well. Um, so, yeah, I suppose in, in terms of two core metrics, really just... Um, the total books ordered um, and then in terms of like traffic um, and listeners as well um, just to get that awareness um, goal fulfilled I suppose. Amazing and then when we sort of gave you this uh, task how did you think about going about planning the sequence of activity for the launch of the diary I mean you did obviously did a very thorough thorough job of this so I'm sure for other people it'd be really interesting to hear because it's all very well having one big asset, but then thinking about how we're going to make the most of it is like, that's the key, really. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, actually, because I remember you coming to me in December um, with the, the book. And like I said, like, that was the first time we kind of actually saw the book and I realised how big the book was and how much effort had got into it and like how detailed it was and how good it was, basically. Um and like from that first meeting with you and like also from first reading the book, like the like the impression like straight away, like we need to go big with the launch. Like we need to get it out there and like make use of the effort we put into this. Um, so at the time, like we started planning um, a launch um, in December. It was late December. It was just before Christmas. Um, and it was tricky at the time because like the, the, the tough thing for the book was that like we'd never launched or I'd never launched um, and can't be cognizant either had ever launched like a physical book 
before um, and trying to scope out like what the demand for the book was isn't easy so like when you're sort of starting to think about okay like how are we going to release the book how many all those questions start to come into play um but th- my first priority really was thinking about okay how do i make as much noise as possible in that launch phase um, and from that launch plan and we originally split the launch plan into three phases so there was it was basically gonna be a two-week launch um and we were gonna have a pre-hype like teasing type phase where we start sort of like warming up the audience and um starting to introduce like that there's going to be the diaries launching and like uh, stories from alice's time of cmo etc um and then there would be the launch phase where we announced um like where you get your first early access to the book where we announced the waiting list it was like over one or two days um, and really just introduced that the book is here and it's arrived um, and then there was going to be a post-launch phase um, in which we basically capitalized on demand that we generated in those first day of that first couple of days um, and drive orders for the book. Um, and that was the original idea. And it was all geared towards those sort of goals of like getting every book ordered um, and also just getting as many eyeballs and listeners on the online resources as possible. Um, but I mean, in terms of like how that actually scoped out, that was how we planned the campaign. Um when we actually got the first reactions to especially stuff in the the teasing phase and then especially the the launch phase when we actually introduced the waiting list and said the book is out and all that stuff things went way beyond their expectations and basically just binned (laughs) that plan and, and come up with a new one but i think that's actually a really important point is that um like obviously make a plan um and be prepared and know what you're going you're doing going into it because like we were fully expecting like the book to sort of like for our our limited release books to be taken up for a, a really healthy amount of like engagement and traffic and all that stuff but we didn't expect it but that could have happened and we'd have been prepared and it would have been executed um to the t but also don't be static and unprepared to move if the circumstances change um because i think it's the way we changed um in the middle that actually ended up making the, the sort of especially like the post the the, the tale of it and like the reaction to it afterwards mm. helped and um maximized it basically and i think that's important because i got the feeling like uh, there was a lot of posts that had been written for me to like kind of build the hype and once we had these like 5,000 plus like early bird signups, I was like, guys, we can't build any more hype. We're just going to annoy people at this point. Like this, we need to just deliver value like now. Um, And I think that's just about like, you just have to feel what, like you have to be like in it and feel it and like understand, like move with the audience and like what the expectations are and put the buyers first. And I think we did that well. Um, We could have, otherwise we could have just like said, this is the plan, we're sticking to it. And we just started to really annoy people, I think yeah absolutely um because there was a lot of promotion <laughs> like scheduled um after the point of which we already generated as much demand as that book was probably going to get um like you said and i think yeah the, the way we changed tag actually kept people engaged and and like the positive sentiment going after the book and the best promotion we got really was and i think we'll come on to this but like we got after the book had been launched with all the people sharing their copies and stuff like that um and we didn't need to promote the book because at that point people wanted to promote themselves which is like the best thing we could have asked for at that point definitely amazing um so i guess there was sort of touched on this a little bit but we'll go deep dive um this more but did the campaign go to plan were there hiccups along the way 
Yeah, um, I think it, it it did go to plan. Um, like everything went to plan. It's that there were definitely hiccups, particularly like in the the building of the and like the the prep um, side of it and the logistics. Like it was the campaign was quite unique because obviously there was like a physical book, um, and like the way that we wanted to release it originally is like it, it was complex in the sense of like we wanted to release one hundred and eighty. I think it was about one hundred and eighty originally physical books and got pretty much globally um for free in that first release um and that meant that you were working with like when you start factoring in like the printing the international deliveries the design and proofing there's a lot of like external suppliers and contractors and processes um that take a lot of stuff out of your hands um and like, i won't linger on this too long but um, just for anyone who does run like a campaign like this, especially where it's like a physical element and like there's an international delivery and, and elements stuff like that, I would just advise on being almost paranoid in how organised you are um, and how how you approach it. Um, particularly working with like external suppliers and contractors, triple check everything, get emails that state clearly and transparently what you're planning to do. Make sure that they like register and tell you like they know what their role is and delivering all the things that they need to deliver um because even though we did all that like we still had hiccups i think it was about two weeks out from the launch uh where the books were not through any fault of our own like everything had been agreed um there was just a mistake in a warehouse that meant the books were sent to a separate address um which meant that i had to do some hunting around london on random friday um and luckily we got the books back um and it was all fine um but like that was something that like definitely in that early stages that was the most complex part of the the campaign especially as like we're marketers like we're not logistics people <laughs> we're not logistics uh, and postmen yeah yeah um, <laughs> but yeah apart from that like everything went pretty much as we expected just as we touched on earlier it went beyond um the reaction went beyond what we anticipated which meant that we had to change tack um so it definitely went to plan but it just meant that we changed the circumstances and made a new plan on the fly basically yeah and I think also some important things to note, which maybe we can just talk about a bit as well, are um, we spent a lot of time in the lead up on like making sure that that pre-launch landing page was good. I mean, I think if you, if people haven't seen it, it's definitely worth us. Maybe we can link to it in the notes for this episode. Um, but you did an amazing job on that. And then also on the CMO hub, which is where the diary hub, where you can actually access it online um ungated of course um is like a huge resource that had to take a lot of planning and thought and like we spent a lot of time thinking about like what's the best user journey for that um yeah how how do we want people to be interacting with it and things like that so that's really important to think about and then on the audio side as well that was something we could have easily not done but I just was thinking about how I think there's two types of people. There's people who want a physical book and maybe they also want an audio version, but then there's like the person, this is what I'm like. I want to be able to listen and absorb information while I'm multitasking, like on a dog walk or, you know, I don't know, on a plane, these types of things. Um, And so I felt like even if it was just super low quality, low production audio, we just need an audio version available as well. And that obviously took a lot of time because that was a lot of recording and I have a newfound respect for um yeah people who do audiobooks that's for sure after that yeah. um but yeah maybe you could touch on a bit about like how you approach those those yeah. assets 
Do you know what? It's, it's interesting just thinking about the, the audiobook actually it's really interesting because like like you like if you just said that in terms of like you actually quite enjoy audio format and like you find it busy i'm actually the complete opposite i i i really really like the written word i don't i, I struggle to retain and stay focused with a podcast um but so glad we did that because the podcasters um and the audiobook um we've hosted it on podcast platforms but the audiobook is like delivered so many like listeners and has like gone beyond what i would have expected and it does show that like the appetite is there um for an audio format um and like it, there was demand there for that audio format so yeah in terms of like actually the way we approached it especially as like like you said it didn't have to be absolutely perfect in terms of like how we produced it and stuff um like there's definitely a value in sort of like catering to audiences consumption's preferences um even though it was more work um but i'm, I'm so glad we did that because it definitely added to the campaign and to the results as well um but yeah i think in terms of like planning that like we're quite fortunate at cognizant because we have like a massive team and like a lot of resource um and we're quite lucky in that sense but it did still take like a lot of planning in terms of like the three big sort of like pillars of the campaign were the physical book the online resource the hub and that audio book um and like for example like we could work with Estelle who's our website manager who did an amazing job um building out that online resource and I think like she got that done within and it was it was crazy we, I mean she pretty much done that within a few weeks um from me from us briefing it we didn't have like when we first started it wasn't like oh we're going to do this with the website we kind of just sort of like brainstormed a few ideas still went around with it um and then we like basically had a process in which we was working directly with Estelle and like iterating on that original design um and had that done within a few weeks um but that took a lot of communication between both our team yourself Alice and Estelle the main stakeholders in the whole project um the physical book we also had um like a lot of help from our content team so obviously amy who we mentioned earlier wrote the book but she also contributed a lot in terms of like things like the blurb the content reviewing it we had a kate who's on our content team as well um who's actually just left us but she did like an amazing job proofing all of that um all of that um that book um and obviously the design team were like we was on top of it so there was like we managed everything through asana which i never thought i would be a person for um like organization tools but Sana has genuinely kept me afloat for that whole thing it was managed through one board like the whole project um and we had separate boards for like specific like content that needed to be built and that helped us keep on top of things um and then audio obviously Alice you you really slogged out by recording all those episodes um but that was like a process I think was managed mainly by myself and you and then Emily obviously um our video manager um got on top of like getting that onto the platforms getting it all distributed so like in terms of like we definitely leverage resource from across the team um but we had everything centralized within asana to help keep us on track with things um and i think in terms of like staying on track building those huge assets um that was like key it was communication across the teams having it all centralized in one place um and working like very closely with um the whole team basically to get it delivered yeah, and I think while we actually were able to launch it all at the same time as well, I think it's important to say, like, think about stuff that, like, what's the MVP version you could get live? Like, we were saying, if I hadn't managed to get through all those audios, then we could, like, drip launch. 
um, worst case scenario and um, like things like that. Just like we wanted to just get it out there as soon as possible. So just thinking through like, does everything have to be ready for launch or can you kind of um, drip drip stuff in and um, can some stuff wait till after um, and these type of things. I think that's also worth thinking about as well. Um, okay. So the results, I guess we've spoken about, we probably haven't actually done like a recap too much, um, on LinkedIn at all really, but we've spoken about it in various places, but yeah, it'd be great if you can give us a recap of how we've ended up so far. I know it's stuff still, still is moving, um, and whether it was kind of better or worse than, than we expected. Yeah. I mean, well, being transparent, it was, it was nuts. Um, it was way beyond anything we expected, especially when you put it in the context of, we originally like in, envisioned like releasing 180 physical books, maybe doing a follow-up and getting those released and then driving some healthy engagement to all of the online resources as well. But in terms of what actually happened, um, because the demand was so high after we released the waiting list for the diary, we ended up putting the book on Amazon to be sold um, because we physically, it wouldn't have been practical to to send free books to, I think it was, We'll come on to it but basically it ended up we're close to we're now close to about a thousand books sold on amazon um and for the first couple of weeks of that we actually topped amazon uk's marketing bestsellers which was nuts as well like no couldn't believe that that was mad. we were out selling stephen bartlett for a moment didn't just, last month, but we were <laughs> which was yeah which is just crazy um i thought we genuinely that genuinely should like was shocking um and then the early bird list that we released, um, that's so like the early access, people signed up for that first 180 copies. Well, I think we had, oh, it, was, it ended up being well over, I think 4,000 people signed up for that list. Um, and it was on the day, it was just constantly like rising. I think we had like five or 600 within the first like half an hour. Um, just mad. Um, we've had 3,000 plus unique visitors to the online hub. And that continues to grow because obviously now we're le- leveraging um, all of the diary content and the online hub on like our paid channels and like all of our organic channels as well. Um, so that's something that continues to grow. Um, we've had, and this was what I touched on earlier, we've had um, over I think 1,400 people, unique people listen to the audiobook, um, which I think is just a massive result. Um, and like it definitely took me by surprise, probably because I have a bias towards <laughs> written stuff but that that genuinely i think is is insane the amount of people who have, have sat there and listened to the audiobook um which makes it definitely validates all the effort we put in um and yeah i think it just in terms of unexpected results as well just the overall launch how that was like received because like we went out with our first couple of sort of messages which were very well engaged with um and like we were happy with but then I think it was the when we released the early bird list via your profile, Alice. Was it was it your highest? I think yeah, it <laughs> yeah. It was like I think we over three thousand likes, um, and it was like it was just it was just crazy. And then um, I suppose like the the thing that was unexpected as well for us was in terms of how many people shared the book, their copy of the book, why they loved it, like all their stories about reviews. like it was and it's literally from the moment we released it people got their first books to even to like now like i'm still seeing Mm. this week with people talking about the book 
which like yeah, reading it over Easter, which is mad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that that was unexpected. So in terms of like results, like that was a massive, massive win because it wasn't like you never anticipate that you're going to get that kind of response. Like you plan for it and you hope for it, but that was yeah, that was massive. So I think those those numbers plus some of those unexpected results from the launch and and just people sharing have been yeah absolutely beyond anything we could have anticipated. And I was also just going to touch on a couple of two things I think that went really well we'll talk about this but your the use of influencers like pre well like the people we gave the books to before we had really launched the book to help drive that awareness on LinkedIn because everyone was saying like this is all over my LinkedIn and that wasn't just because of my viral post it was because we had so many other people who were influencer status posting about it as well so that was a really clever tactic which I'll we'll touch on in a sec the other really important thing which I want to talk about and is how we treated customers in this whole process because I think it's so easy for us to forget about our customers and it's ironic because we literally as demand gen geners we're literally spending our whole time trying to like grow our customer base and then it's almost like someone's a customer and then they they don't get forgotten in at Cognizant because we're very conscious of that we have a whole customer marketing team but sometimes people I think people can forget like what what role can customers play um in all of this as well and so we knew that this was a really valuable asset and we wanted to show like especially because it was going to be scare a scarcity resource that we truly valued our customers and if you're a customer of Cognizant you're going to get access to stuff that other people won't necessarily get so it was really important to me that no matter really the cost customers even after our 180 copies had gone because they were going to get the first dibs so any customer who signed up to that early bird list they were given like the first choice of a of a hard copy book of that 180 we had. And then after that, we were giving them Amazon vouchers to purchase the book for free through Amazon. And that continues to remain. So if you're a Cognizant customer, that's sort of, you know, an offer that will stay on the table kind of forever. Um, and I think that's been really well received from the customer base uh, and also outwardly like does give a perception that we really care about our customers and it's really important to us um, that when you're a customer of Cognizant, you feel like you're valued as well uh anything to add on that Jamie and also just like maybe touch a bit more on how that influencer piece was played out yeah um I actually think I remember that I remember when we started thinking about customers like so I transparently I'd been planning the campaign was in the weeds and I think I remember you sort of like mentioned it's like how are we thinking about customers with this like what can we do for them um and it did like it did strike home about like in terms of like as a, like a, a demand gen marketer like you, you, it is a lesson you can't forget that um as part of the campaign because they played like a massive role um people shared the customers shared the book afterwards like they carried on the promotion themselves um and ultimately we gave those people a really good experience and we got loads of good feedback straight from them um when we actually sent those books um which ultimately makes our lives a lot easier um so that was a massive win and i think that with us putting that into the campaign definitely was the right thing to do um and then, yeah, the influencer piece. So, like, um, I think, yeah, there, there were three things that I'd say, like, beyond there's loads of stuff that come together to make the campaign um, succeed. Um, but three things that sort of stick out in my mind is, one, the influencer piece. So we planned from the very beginning, this was back in December, that we'd have somewhere in the range of five to ten influencers um, and Cognizant is very lucky to have great relationships in the industry um, that we can sort of like leverage and reach out to. But we end up, I think we end up working with about seven influencers. Um, 
within our sort of space um, across both Europe um, and North America, which were like the core markets that we're going to take the book up. Um, and yeah, basically just coordinated with them. The, especially the people we identified, actually, I'm just going to go back a bit. The people we identified, I ideally wanted them to be people who knew Alice specifically and a relationship with Alice or knew of Cognizant and enjoyed the work we'd done, shared stuff about us in the past. Um, because the whole idea was that we would give them the book, we'd send them a free early copy of the book um, and basically just reached out and was like, would you be happy to sort of like contribute to um, our launch um, and go out with like a message about, about the book? Um, and that's what they did. But the whole idea was that I wanted people who could speak quite authentically to like Alice's story and journey as a CMO and a position as CMO and Cognizant as well. Um, and really add some color um, to the stories that they told um, in those posts. And like people like, for example, Ashley um, from Refine Labs, like she done a fantastic, like really in-depth long post about working with Cognizant and all the amazing things, how she felt about the team. Um, and like, you wouldn't have got that just from a random person, um, yeah. which I think really helped. Um, but basically, yeah, like you said about the, the, the impact the influencers had really was that we went out on the launch day and the release of the waiting list um and it blew up which was amazing but then it had this compounding effect where we were blowing up but then all of a sudden seven or eight people went out and were posting the book um talking about how great he is talking about how great cognizant is talking about how great alice is um and they started to like we just took over the feed basically and people couldn't move without seeing one the cover or two hearing why they needed to read it um which then like that gave us more authority and gave the book more authority than like if we could, you could write the perfect market message, but like it would never come close to getting that kind of, um, that kind of exposure. Um, subjectively, the book started to look like it was just an incredibly high value resource. And then you coupled that with the scarcity tactic that we used. And I think that really combined to make it quite potent. Um, so yeah, the influences were massive. Um, and then the other two pieces I just touched on was that they're the scarcity tactic that we use. So um, we wanted the the book when we released it. I remember you saying from the early, early stages, Alice, like, like we want to make it feel scarce. We want to make it feel high value. Like we want people to be worried about missing out um, and like sharing why they're like, when's it like comment on the post? Like what happens if I miss out on the early release? Blah, blah, blah. So we come up with this limited release of 108, well, it's actually 100 books that we publicly revealed um, in the waiting list. And we went out as like, that was like the, the amount of physical books that we were releasing as, as part of this first release. And we, we thought it would drive some interest, but it when combined with everything else that was going on, it just blew up to a point where people were like desperate to get hold of the book. Um, and like, and then they started talk, asking in the comments, like posting, I, I saw in like, for example, some of the influencer posts, they're like, oh, we weren't lucky enough to get one um, did you did you get one from the list of 100? And it's that kind of stuff that's like gold dust, really. Um, so that really combined with the influences, the scarcity tactic we injected into the launch. Um, and I think the final thing that we, we did quite well um, was to really define early on, um, like one, the position in the book um, and figuring out like, what the book was and what it wasn't um and i kind of remember asking you quite a few questions about this alice because obviously this at the end of the day this was your book and like your story 
Um, and there's a lot of like anyone who's read the book, there's a lot of lessons in there about a lot of different things. Like you could look at it as like, um, like I remember asking about like how like how heavy should we lean on like this lead gen versus demand gen angle? Because obviously that's a massive part of your time as CMO here. But I remember you specifically stating this isn't a book about lead gen to demand gen. There's a lot of that in there and it's really like great and it's part of my story, but it's not about that. Um, and so when we started to think about it, we just sort of settled on this idea that like it wasn't just like another marketing leadership book that was clear it was like it was the first book that documented um the journey of a first time cmo end to end um and like revealed the lessons that like only you could really learn if you've actually been there and done it um and alice has done it and grown our marketing function and, and helped scale the company from three million to 50 million arr um and it was sort of like leaning into that angle with all the supporting messages that we had um, that you'd actually learn from the book. Um, I think that actually helped us create some really effective messaging for that launch. And it really resonated. So I think that having the right sort of like positioning for the book, combining that with the scarcity tactic and then like putting the B2B influencers into it really lit up the whole launch, basically. Yeah. And I think that's important because also within that, it, like it was important to me that there's stuff in there for everyone, like because along that journey there's so much that we've tried tested some of it's worked some of it hasn't like and then also just mindset stuff that I've learned along the way so I yeah I felt like I didn't want to really didn't want to pigeonhole this it's just for people wanting to make that shift from legion to demand gen because it's like you could even skip those chapters if you wanted to um but there is a lot more in it than than just that which hopefully people are finding and enjoying um cool amazing so how yeah I guess this is also a really important point for us to touch on because we've talked about how the book plays a wider role in our media machine um and is a great example of that like coming to life so how valuable was producing a resource like this for like our demand gen kind of ungated content strategy yeah it was massive um it was absolutely huge to be honest um like if you look at it just from the one hand of like what actually happened with the campaign and like all of the awareness it drove all of the eyeballs it drove to cognizant all of the new people that would have been introduced to cognizant like that makes my job easier just from that um because any message that then sort of like follows up from that is probably more likely to be um looked at again received favored um which makes my job easier but on the flip side the most valuable part um particularly for me in the marketing persona um was that we now had so much content just ready to go um, for 2023. Like we had the whole book, we had the online resource built, we've got the audio book. Um, and like when you start to think about how much content we had, that can really start to like power up your whole engine. So then that can start to like filter into all of your paid social campaigns, um, go into organic channels. Um, even like this week, for example, I'm writing a nurture um, it's almost like an outbound nurture, but it's about attracting a very specific type of person um, into our um, our value loops, basically, which we would call like our newsletter and our events and our podcast, etc. Um, and I can lead with that diary um, in that in that nurture, and that's like a powerful message that I can go out with and a powerful way to hook someone into that nurture. Um, and so you can start to see like how that content can filter into everything. And if we just look at it from a paid social standpoint, like all of the the ads and stuff that we activated. Um, like that's all diary of a CMO content. I mean, they're performing 
above benchmarks, the vast majority of them, um, like two to three X in most places. Um, and that's obviously like on the tail of the launch, people resonating with like seeing them and, and engaging with them based on on that launch. But equally having an asset like that, because often it can be, I think with an ad, like you can create a great ad and that can have a massive effect on how it's engaged with, but it's actually often what the ads go into that can drive the engagement. Um, and I think the book is a really, really effective asset um, that drives up that engagement as well. Um, so for me as a demand gen marketer, it makes my life a lot easier. Amazing. Um, and then this is our penultimate question. So I'm conscious of time, but why was um, running a campaign around my personal brand, I guess, beneficial for Cognizant? I'm sure people be interested in this because there can be a lot of um, questions around like, is it actually valuable to have? I mean, we lean really heavily into the SME piece, so we could talk for hours on this. But um, yeah, is it beneficial to the company to have um, personal brands leveraged? yeah absolutely um like abs like undoubtedly um and like there's that's thinking about this as a couple of reasons why it's been so successful for us particularly with this launch um like you see a lot of people say it is a bit cliche but like people do prefer buying from people i think that's i do think that's true um and the benefit that we had is that your personal brand Alice, is so heavily intertwined with cognizant that we kind of got the best of both worlds where we were able to leverage your story, your audience, your platform, everything you talk about, which can arguably even be more interesting to an audience of marketers than just our corporate art brand platform, but then tie that all back into Cognizant in the campaign. So the book was branded up, the online version was hosted on the website. Um, all of the content insights obviously now power our engine post-launch um, and then there's the fact that the story itself uniquely is, is kind of your story of being a cognizant. So like, like we wanted to drive awareness and eyeballs to our company brand through this project and then sort of using your personal brand by association was an incredibly like effective way of doing that. Um, without even having to push cognizant ourselves, all we did was push the book and push you and push, um, the story. But by association with all of those things tied in, a lot more people are aware of who Cognizant are, have a like a bit more of a bit more of a positive relationship with Cognizant, um, and we've increased the affinity with the, the brand itself. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Um, so final question: If you were doing this all over again, so don't yeah, don't run away. We're not going to make you do that again anytime soon. Um, would you do anything differently? Um, it's tough because the, the the campaign went really well, so it's like it's not like I would I would change it or anything, and I'm glad we did it the way we did it. Um, I think there's an argument. There'd probably be an argument because of the the nature of the book. Um, we could have maybe released it on Amazon to just where Amazon released their books, and it might have been an easier distribution. Um, but that also means you're limiting the number of people like in um in your markets basically who can who could have engaged with that launch so it is a trade-off no matter what personally i'm happy with how the launch went like i, I don't have any sort of like regrets on the way we did it um but like it was a complex campaign to plan so if someone if it was a smaller team maybe that would then make sense in terms of like if you was going to run a campaign similar to this and you think i was worried about the logistics the complexity um maybe doing it through the amazon route and limiting 
the countries you're involved in might make sense. I think that's also important because we haven't touched on that too much. But um, so we obviously ran out of the 180 books like straight away in the pre-launch phase, um, the early bed phase. And so we, like Jamie, I say we, Jamie spent all of that Friday and um, the weekend working on getting it onto Amazon so that on the Monday we were able to, we really wanted to be able to say like, it's like open to the world now, like anyone can access this book. And we, again, just did it at cost price. So it's just the cost of printing um, and postage. And that was a really, like, I think that was a, a great thing that we did. Had we not put it onto Amazon and we're just like, oh, sorry, like just like directly to the online hub and the audio version. Again, I don't think it would have been as successful as it was because a lot of what's happened afterwards has been people getting their hard copy cover, like books and posting it on LinkedIn and kind of reviewing it there. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was another really good thing that we did to react super quickly and get it up onto Amazon um, as soon as possible. So just wanted to quickly cover that as well. I guess in all of this, the big message is stay fluid, like stay reactive, have as much of a plan as possible in place plan for the worst case scenario and then like just be prepared to like move with the motions and I think we were all just readily available on Slack having like huddles as required and just coming up with like what we thought would be the best next steps including when some rogue person started selling it under plagiarize like on Amazon for like discounting us at 50% the cost or something like that you know these things will happen um so yeah just be fluid and flexible but all in all, it was a end-to-end example of something going from just a tiny idea and then getting executed amazingly well by both Jamie, Amy, and then Estelle, and tons of the team. I mean, there's so many of people who got involved in the end, but um, yeah, it's been a massive, massively valuable campaign for us. Any final word, Jamie? Um, no, not really. Just, um, yeah, just it was just a great campaign to work on, to be honest. It was different to anything I'd personally worked on before. Um, and um, yeah, just really enjoyable. I think for anyone who like hesitates with stuff like this, um, I would follow what you said earlier, Alice. Like you might not be able, especially if you're in a limited team and stuff, and I know we're in a unique unique position, but what's the minimal viable way to deliver this? Um, don't be scared of like doing something a bit different. Think about what you can deliver um, and go for it. Because like by doing this, like we went way beyond anything that I, I, I've done in my marketing career, which obviously is like what you kind of want so yeah i'd I'd highly recommend trying to do something similar yourselves um and looking at similar campaigns i think that's the other thing to say like this is a great example of like what does it actually mean to do demand gen today when you're not doing lead gen like well it means that you're going to be doing things like this which yeah at points jamie was running around london locating books and it doesn't sound amorous in any way but really the most of it was like you know he was involved in briefing these on like online hubs like in publishing of books everything that goes into that like doing an online um book launch and like uh, working with our influencers and like so many different aspects to this campaign that like a normal demand gen role probably wouldn't entail if you're like talking about more traditional um ways of doing things and I think that's just so freeing as a marketer um and it also is ultimately what resonates like the results speak for themselves from this campaign and it's what it's what really does work like when you look at a campaign that's going to drive this amount of unique engagement um and take up like if we were to just do the same old same old that would never have happened so there's kind of 
kind of a dual track win on this as well. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, well, that is all from us. And um, I'm sure, Jamie, if you want to reach out to Jamie on LinkedIn or anywhere else, I'm sure he's happy to chat more about it. Um, and we will make sure there's some useful links in the show notes for this one as well. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And um, that's it from us.